0: Hi, folks, and welcome to the Sioux Nation Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jake Geis. Today, I'd like to welcome back to the program, Michael Eggleston. He is the key account manager for Kemen Equine. Thanks for coming to the show again here, Michael. Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on again. No problem. Now, our topic today is how equine laminitis, insulin, and metabolic disorders are all connected. And it may seem at first that these things should be different topics. However, like you say, there's more connection between all these than a person thinks.
1: During my time as a farrier, it was a pretty common issue that we ran into, and so often we associate it with a negative thing with feeding, right? The horse got in too much grain or something like that, but there's a little bit more of a matrix there that uh, that has a, a far more reaching impact on that animal.
0: Laminitis may seem like a $10 word, but people are very used to it if they know what we're talking about. So what is laminitis for people that maybe aren't familiar with the term?
1: The way that I always like to break into this is I distinguish it in two different ways. We have laminitis itself, which we're familiar with that term, but then we also commonly associate that with founder. So those are the same and they're very different. So one essentially causes the other cause and effect. So to break it down as easy as possible, it's a debilitating condition. We know it can be severe and we also know it can be fatal. So laminitis occurs when that lamina or that tissue that connects the coffin bone to the hoof wall, it becomes inflamed. So that bone, the coffin bone begins to pull away from that hoof and it can penetrate the sole. That's when we see essentially founder. So the the term founder comes from sinking. So that P3 or that coffin bone sinks to the bottom of the sole there. Depending upon that severity, outcomes can range from just mild soreness. So that really acute issue or extreme pain. So that prolonged work becomes even more severe.
0: For the folks that maybe aren't quite as familiar with the equine world, basically, we're talking about a cause of lameness in horses, just to kind of help them wrap their minds around it.
1: Absolutely. You know, we've all seen pictures of horses' hooves that they grow out like bananas. You know, they're real scooped way out, and they just look really, really odd. And uh, commonly, you know, we think, well, that horse has just been left uh, without a good trimming for a long, long time. but. A lot of times when that bone disconnects from that hoof wall or that hoof capsule, that outer toe, the front of that foot just continues to grow, but it's no longer
0: connected. So that's where it gets that big sweep out as we call it. Yeah, and that's good to help people know that because that's something I think a lot of folks can connect with because they may have seen that, unfortunately.
1: So, you know, one important thing to look at is laminitis, it's beginning to be viewed, not just as an isolated disease in itself, but it's more of a syndrome. And that syndrome can be a result of a more systemic issue. So what that means for us in the nutrition world or you know, in the veterinary world, we need to identify and treat those underlying issues before they cause laminitis
0: or before that founder issue comes about. Could you go a little bit more in depth on that, like with our treatment of these issues so that we don't have these problems?
1: I always break it out into the two most common types of laminitis. And for the horse owner, we, we always group it in with, well, my horse got into the feed room and he ate half a bag of sweet feeder, something like that. But We associate that with what's called sepsis-associated laminitis, or SAL. So that's a systemic inflammatory response, and it can be caused by either colitis, retained placentas and mares, acidosis from that grain overload. But studies really indicate that that's only about 10 to 12% of those laminitis cases that we see. The second, we call it endrokinopathic laminitis, or EL. So I like to keep it simple. So EL. That works. EL. So that's actually caused by those issues related to disorders such as metabolic syndrome, PPID. So Cushing's, if we want to refer it to that level. Now, that's also including those pasture-associated laminitis cases. So those horses that are turned out, say, on fescue and spring when it's really green and really lush. Now, those studies indicate that approximately 90% of those laminitis cases actually fall into that category. So a lot of what we actually see isn't necessarily from that grain overload or colitis. It's, it's actually from those horses that have a, a metabolic disorder. They're insulin-dysregulated. Or they could have cushings, or they've just been on that bad pasture.
0: Sure. And that's the term that colloquially we might think of as this is horse grass founder, but this is the better way to look at it. Absolutely. So you've kind of started to breach this how is laminitis related to metabolic disease and insulin? So could you talk to us about how laminitis affects insulin in the horse? and then the cascading effects of that.
1: Certainly. So as mentioned, EMS and PPID or Cushing's, they're common underlying causes for that laminitis, the the EL laminitis that we're calling it. So EMS is not a disease, but it's rather kind of a description of risk factors for those horses. Whenever a horse gets insulin dysregulated, the key component of EMS, that hyperinsulinemia or abnormally high insulin levels we're normally, of course, we're seeing this in these middle-aged horses, but they're more likely or more predisposed to become obese, uh, suffer from hypertension, stress, increased fasting. So they have other issues that are going on. We know that insulin is directly connected or too much insulin is directly connected to causing an issue with that lamina or that tissue that's holding that coffin bone to the hoof wall.
0: So that gives us a little bit more in-depth understanding of this
1: then Certainly. Yeah. So what I tell everybody, you know, it's when we look at that, the pasture issue, right? When they've been out on that lush grass, what's happening? They're eating a whole bunch of stuff that has a lot of sugar, that sugar, that blood sugar, that blood glucose is increasing the amount of insulin that the animal's producing. All of that insulin directly is impacting that that lamina, or that connective tissue. And that's when we start to see essentially the root word of, of laminitis, the lamina, connective tissue, itis being the inflammation. So Inflammation of that laminal tissue, and it just starts to separate, and that's when we see uh, those horses start to rock back. Right, they'll stretch mm-hmm. their front feet way out in front of them. They're trying to get the weight off those hooves where that pressure is, and so that's really a, a good precursor to saying, okay, this horse has an acute issue. What's going on?
0: So it helps us start to ask the the right questions on how we approach fixing it. Maybe that's a good topic to go into next. What are the treatment options for this condition or series of conditions, I should say? And then what are some management options that we should be looking at?
1: That's a really good question because it depends on how far involved we can get and how far along those horses are. When we see those early, the early onset issues, we just notice that this horse is is uncomfortable. You can go out there, and feel their feet. You'll, you know, usually you'll feel a, a really strong pulse. Their foot will be there, that hoof caps will be really hot. The first thing you need to get a hold of your your farrier and your veterinarian. Get to those guys who are just really involved with with one another to see what's going on. We can make them comfortable by putting a therapeutic shoe on there, getting that hoof off the ground, getting an x-ray, making sure that there's no rotation that's occurred. And if so, then we need to do you know a little bit more invasive farrier work, getting some anti-inflammatories in that horse, cooling those feet off, changing their diet promptly, making sure that we get something that's very, very low in sugar. And that's more or less just a therapeutic diet, making sure we're regulating that blood sugar and getting those insulin levels back
0: down. Maybe on that diet end, are there any different aspects that you can use specifically in a diet that might be helpful? Kind of thinking of the, some of the research that's been thrown out there about using supplemental chromium perhaps?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's a really good point. So whenever I think of, of a safe diet, I go back to the, the general principle of, of equine nutrition horses are hay burners. So get them on a quality forage diet, something very low in sugar. Believe it or not, alfalfa is a good option. Teff hay, try to stay away from some of those other grass hays that are just higher in sugar. So you know, get away from the fescue, things like that. By adding supplemental chromium to that diet into proper dosage, uh, there's a lot of research out there that actually indicates that chromium can reduce blood sugar by eight times. Mm. So that's a really good thing. If we reduce or increase glucose clearance in the blood, We're also reducing insulin. So the impact, that instigator that's causing these issues, we can start to put that back in check, manage that a lot better. Um, That would be the first step if we're going to get really involved with their diet. So combining the proper diet, supplementation of a chromium, getting the farrier out there, getting the vet out there and, and proactive with you, we can really, you'll never stop it, but you can manage the pain associated with it and we can
0: slow it down. Slow it down and at least bring this horse back to a point where it can perform at a level that's adequate to what we expect out of it.
1: The faster that we can get involved, both mechanically with the farrier work, internally with nutrition and getting your veterinarian out there, the faster we can keep that horse from getting to that chronic level or having those issues where you start to see that rotation or the foundering, if you will.
0: So, this is all really interesting. And I'm sure there's folks out there in the audience that would like to learn a little more, in particular about the chromium aspect. How can they go about doing that?
1: The mode of action of chromium and how it works can be a bit confusing, especially when we're just talking about it you know, over a podcast. For a good visual, they can actually visit our website. We have a very informative video that shows how that mode of action impacts diet, blood sugar, insulin, all of that. So they can learn more at com slash chromium eq and that'll link them straight to our page where they can there's a lot of good learning resources there's some topics that have been discussed before and then of course that video i was referring to
0: well thank you very much michael we really appreciate you taking the time to stop by the podcast and go a little deeper on this issue well terrific well thank you for having me and thank you very much to our listening audience y'all take care folks